1: Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, Art!
0: Ugh. Hey, hey
2: Bunk Bunkers.
1: Oh, Andy, you sound like you're struggling.
2: Oh, yeah, I uh, I ate a lot of cheese.
3: <laughs> oh,
1: so uh, things I got are a little backed
2: deal, up. I got this deal. Uh, I, got a, I got a gift from uh, a family member for the... Uh, the Cheese of the Day Club, and uh, every day they send me sixteen ounces of cheese, and <laughs>
1: that's a lot of cheese.
2: I think of it, I, I, you know, I, cheese is durable, <laughs> in a sense, but I, I see it more as a challenge.
1: Okay, wait, you, th- you see cheese as durable, like it lasts a long time, or you're like using it as some sort of, uh, would you say, uh, you're using it to to build something with?
2: Uh, I, in a way, I'm building something on my insides with the cheese. <laughs> well, you know, Andy, speaking of durable, today's topic... harder cheeses can last for a while.
1: True. <laughs> Soft
2: cheeses are susceptible to spoilage, but harder cheeses, not as much.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Andy. That was Andy's cheese fact of the day. You know, hard cheese <laughs> is what built the Roman Empire. Okay. Well, you know what built the Egyptian Empire, Andy. Is today's topic kind of what they built? What the Egyptian empire built? <laughs> Do the old swisheroo on that uh, phrasing. Is uh, is today's topic, Andy? We're talking about the
0: Great Pyramid.
1: The Pyramids. See the pyramids
2: along the Nile. <laughs> Watch the
1: sunset on a tropic isle. Thank you, Cleopatra. Ba, 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 ba. Um. Today's topic, Andy, was suggested to us by a follower on Instagram, Dan Carroll. Dan! Dan, thank you for suggesting this topic. Thank you, Dan. This is uh, I mean, this is a big topic. Yeah, (laughs) it's a big topic.
2: (laughs) You said it. It's big. That's a huge fucking building.
1: (laughs) It's massive. (laughs) Uh, And we'll get into that. And uh, Dan, you know, commented and said, uh, have you guys done a podcast on the pyramids yet? It's like, you're right, Dan. Well, Have we yet you we know. can
2: confidently say in a little bit. Yes. <laughs>
1: well, if you can't wait to learn all about the pyramid and uh, the pyramids, but really the Great Pyramid is kind of what we're focused I, on. Yeah, I
2: mean, yeah, well, there's pyramids. I mean, we'll talk about it.
1: We'll talk about it. But, you know, if you can't wait to get all into that hot, hot action. I mean, there's ancient alien action going on here. There's a lot of history. You got uh, mechanical fires, mechanical uh, fires, um, power batteries, dusty old cramped
2: spaces,
1: <laughs>
2: limestone, men getting stuck in various holes.
1: <laughs> you know, a lot of men getting stuck in holes. I know Art's
2: going to talk about that. Oh Ooh.
1: yeah. Uh, well, if you can't wait to get into all that, you hot can't hot wait action, to get stuck in our holes. <laughs> you can't wait to go loot those antiquities right out of our research. Oh boy, um, what
2: do you all work for? The British Museum. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Check out the show notes. There will be a timestamp and then you can um scrub right ahead. You can get right to all of that all of that info, all that research. But first, Andy and I we have to talk about I mean, it's the new year. Andy, we got to talk about some of these bunker sightings that are still going on.
2: Uh, I mean, you know, you you think maybe Mr. Bunker would uh would uh, take off for the holidays, but it's not so. He keeps popping up all over the USA. <laughs>
1: Is that your Arnie pie in the sky kind of voice? Like uh Arnie, Arnie, Arnie Pyre, what's his name? Uh the helicopter yeah, Arnie guy Arnie from pie. the Simpsons? Pie in the sky. Yep, pie in the sky. Well, um, uh, I don't remember. Arnie in the sky. That's the Arnie joke. in the they sky don't go with pie in the sky.
2: Right. Yeah. Arnie in the sky with a helicopter.
1: Um, Now, some of you bunk funkers who have been following the lore might remember that Bunker is forming a sort of bunk vengers, League of Extraordinary Bunk Gentlemen kind of team and may or may not be en route to replace us. Mm -hmm. We're still here. Mm -hmm. 2021, we're still here. Yeah. We're sorry. Come at us, Bunker. Now, we got this Bunker sighting from a fellow podcaster, so you know it's good. Yeah, this is... um, You know, we don't... (laughs) Podcasters don't lie.
2: We don't call bunker sightings credible too often. and Not for any particular reason. We just don't use that word. <laughs> this is very credible.
1: That's true. This comes to us from uh, a friend of the show. This is from TJ, host of the Pick Me podcast. Yeah, if you're not
2: familiar with uh, Pick Me, uh, what TJ does is he reviews other podcasts and then <laughs> begs to be a guest on the show. <laughs> And he did review this podcast. That's right. Um, with gave us a very lovely review. An early episode, maybe the inaugural episode, I, I guess I don't recall exactly, but early on.
1: No, uh, it was episodes. a few different ones. Okay. Wasn't the first <laughs> one. <laughs> DJ gave us a very nice review. He was very kind to us. And he's been a friend of the, friend of the show. Yeah. If he had given uh, a us a worse guy. review, we wouldn't even be talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're joking. We're joking. Um, but TJ sent us in a a bunker sighting. He did. Uh, I you got I can read it. You want no to read no I got it. I got it. I oh, got it. Gotta, I, got it. I, mean? okay. I
2: got it. I was I was unprepared for any number of reasons. So oh, okay. Um, I'm just gonna read uh without abridgment uh TJ's bunker sighting uh that he sent to us, uh, and it's it's very nice. I mean, f- you know. It's very formal. It's very formal. I mean, say this, this is this TJ, is a true pro.
1: If you, you know, if you're a podcast out there listening, um, you know, I'll let TJ review your your podcast cuz he's he's very formal, he's very nice, and he uh, you know, he cares about it. He's a podcast fan. Yeah. That's how guy. he
2: that's how he got to this position. He's a podcast fan. Yeah. He listens to podcasts. Yeah. And he talks about it. Yeah. It's great. Um so here's here's TJ's here's TJ's bunker setting. Good morning, gentlemen. Right off the bat. I mean, I'm so professional.
1: Goodness. I feel like I feel a king. like this was misdirected. I Nobody's know. ever called me a gentleman. I think he may have accidentally had a draft to another podcast <laughs> yeah, open and then just decided to co-opt it into Or ours. he's got
2: some things set where his email just automatically <laughs> inserts good morning, gentlemen, when he starts a new email. <laughs> um, I bring you disturbing news. It seems Mr. Bunker may have found a new bunker. Dot dot dot. It's <sighs> suspense. As you may know, I also dabble in the podcasting arts. We do. Seems Bunker may have gotten around to listening to my own review of your podcast. In that episode, I explained how I uncovered a far-reaching global conspiracy in my own hometown, which is not far from a decommissioned Air Force base called Grissom. I explained how there is an abandoned, or is it abandoned, Bunker right off the highway which I drive by often. Now, we should, we should I could have mentioned this at the top. TJ in his episode where he reviews Mr. Bunker's conspiracy time has a detailed theory about what's happening at Grissom air force base. That's right. Uh, and it involves, uh, the shadow government, uh, maintaining a secret bunker there possibly, uh, after a nuclear war. Um, but you'll have to listen to the episode to get the whole story. That's right. Um, so, back to the back to the sighting. So, I was shocked to notice just the other day that a red bunkla was parked in front of it. Curious. I immediately pulled over to see what was going on. To my surprise, I witnessed a man who had to have been Mr. Bunker himself, along with a Sasquatch-looking beast, wheel a gurney on which may have been the Flatwoods Monster, into the bunker's entrance. They disappeared into the darkness for a time until the Sasquatch came back out to unload boxes of what appeared to be podcasting equipment. I do hope you are not correct that he's planning on replacing you both with podcasting cryptids, but this sighting makes me worry. If my review caused Mr. Bunker to replace you because I didn't give you a perfect 10 out of 10 rankings, I'll feel terrible. Hope it all works out. I'll let you know if I see more. Hmm.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for keeping an eye out for us, TJ.
2: I, I mean, more than anything, we appreciate this heads up. Yeah, because we're,
1: you know, it's more than most people give us. That's a little for in sure. the dark. That's true.
2: On Mister Bunker's activities. I mean,
1: you he's know, out and about. Bung We don't like to admit this because we don't like you to see us as weak.
2: <laughs> which we, which we know. We when you we, listen to this yeah. podcast, you like. You hear strength. That's
1: right in your ears. You're, You're like, two strong, confident you know? alpha males. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> you know, that's the thing.
3: Uh,
1: <laughs> um. So uh, here's the thing. You know, Andy, I, I don't know. You think we should be a little worried? Okay. Um peon we've got the flatwoods monster we've got some new bunker Mm. apparently in grissom yeah grissom i
2: look you know at the end of the day look what what could mr bunker setting this up so so far away from the bunker yeah remotely right we pretty much have a run of the bunker
1: it's true Ian's been gone uh, a lot of the time. He's been kind of spending time away. Yeah. Here's the thing. You know, I mean, he's going to have to teach him English. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right now all he can do is grunt and growl and occasionally
1: try to communicate with his flatulence. That's right. And we've picked up on that. Yeah. But here's the thing. I'll I start fart. getting worried. I'll start getting concerned when I see Bunker wheeling in a bunch of Rosetta stones. <laughs> yeah. PC the software, software. or One the more. actual, a little bit of both.
2: <laughs> a very on point for today's uh, very on topic point for today's episode. Yeah, uh, but
1: you resisting. know that's when I'll get worried. You start teaching Peon Musk fluent English. My, you know,
2: my theory is: look, Peon Musk doesn't have much of a personality. Like, <sighs> wow.
1: I mean, jeez. I mean, no, no
2: offense to Peon Musk, but.
1: I mean, he was just born yesterday,
2: I mean,
1: <laughs> you know, or whatever, like a couple months ago.
2: Yeah. I mean, but uh, he did. I mean, he's just not that he doesn't have much personality. Look, Flatwoods monster, probably ton of personality. He's got Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Who knows? You know, yeah. we don't we don't know what other bunk Avengers are like hidden in this bunker. That's P.E.on true. Musk might just be doing the dirty work. That's a lot
1: of hosts. Yeah. I mean, what maybe, is, what's our biggest flaw? Because we don't have perfect grammar and perfect English. And That's I don't it. know, maybe we're like I, I could
2: see people, I could also see people saying like hey, you do like too well of a job. It's like frustrating how good you are at this. Yeah, okay, okay. And maybe we have another weakness is that we work too hard. Right. And then maybe we maybe care too much. too much. We put too much effort in. We're too humble.
1: So I, the only th- the thing I see here, TJ is I'll get worried. If one bunker starts wheeling in some Rosetta stone, so keep fair. eye on Rosetta stone. <laughs> yeah. TJ, if you see copies of Rosetta stones or the actual Rosetta stone, yeah, let us know. For both of those let here. us know. And two is if they, hey, they start a podcast with a shorter intro, then we're fucked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if they do a podcast where they go right to the research, then we're screwed. We're screwed. <laughs> I mean, free market, yeah. laissez-faire, <laughs> without some controls in place, this, this this podcast is over and that podcast shoots to the top. Jesus Christ, they don't have to put a fucking demand in the show notes? Demand for this one's going to plummet, <laughs> bottom of the Mariana's
1: Trench. Oh, God. Those are the only two things I'm worried about. Yeah, that's fair. Because you can't fucking replace us. <laughs> this is this is over ten years of chemistry. Who would even want to replace us? This is like, you know, you you know, this is like you talk about cheese. This yeah, is like two finely aged cheese. Ten years. Ten years. Over ten years. Yeah. we aging are, together. We're salty, we're full of various <laughs>
2: cultures. Uh <laughs> we are hardened, dried out, milky. Milky, creamy. Uh, savory, succulent. We're basically like the ultimate cheese. We're the ultimate cheese. We're we got a good amount of funk. People say, "Who cut the cheese?" And you point
1: at us. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. And they say, "Don't do that. You're gonna hurt yourselves." <laughs>
1: Stop you need me. you need a specialty knife to really cut us well. Yeah, yeah.
2: This okay butter knife not gonna not gonna do it. Not gonna get the job done. You're not finding us in a grocery store. No, we got to be imported. (laughs) You need to know somebody in the cheese game to get your mitts on us. That's right. If you want to slice us up and put us on a platter with some fruit
1: and nuts. Bunker picked us for a reason. Okay. He picked us for a reason. It's that we are too. Okay, fine. You want to put quotation marks around comedian? Put quotation marks around comedian. Skeptics. (laughs) Nobody, nobody's going to, nobody's going to argue with that. That's what deep voice guy at the beginning of the show says. Oh, you guys skip that too? (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's 2020. It's season three. We don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> season three. <laughs> okay, so deep voice guy at the beginning of the show, we are two comedian, quote unquote, skeptics. And that's why Bunker picked us, because he wants to convince us and the world. And I think he's just getting frustrated that he hasn't been able to do that. He hasn't I gotten think, us that much. I think he's starting a different show, which is fine. He's starting a different kind of show. Maybe it's cryptids talking about mundane issues. Yeah, this is classic Bunker. He's- <laughs> He's trying
2: Oh, it's the inverse?
1: Yeah. He's things that aren't conspiracies, like they're reading like instructional manuals. He's not trying to convince them of anything.
2: <laughs> he just wants them to exist in that moment.
1: <laughs> in which case, you know, hey, best of luck, buddy.
2: They have the scale of irregularity. The scale. There's only one there's only one measure. Everything's fine.
1: Yeah. good. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Well, TJ, we appreciate it. I Uh, mean, uh, you you know, please if you haven't checked out the Pick Me podcast, um, you can find them on Twitter. You can find TJ on Twitter, and you can find Pick Me Pod at Pick Me Pod.
2: And there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's links, there's There's links links all over. You guys know how to on Twitter.
1: I mean, you can find it where you wherever you find podcasts. Um, Check out our review. Check out TJ's review of us and. Also, uh, TJ has reviewed some of our, uh, our friends, friends of the show, so check out those as well, and thank you again to TJ for sending in that bunker sighting and for, you know, giving us a heads up. Speaking of heads up, Andy, heads up, because we got a bunker alarm that we got to send out.
2: Woo, woo. Oh. Uh, oh, whoops, whoops, whoops. A little premature. Oh, sorry,
1: sorry. Andy I bumped the machine. I bumped the, uh, I bumped the, uh, the, the machine. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, we got to send out a bunker alarm, a shout-out to our newest patron here, David. David! Thank you, David. David, thank you. Uh, Thank you for being a patron. Uh, Thank you for uh, supporting the show. We greatly appreciate it, as we do to all of our patrons. Um, You know, we uh, we appreciate it, appreciate the kind words, and, um, you know, David joined the Bunker Discord, where... uh, you know, you can chat with other bunk funkers. We recently were all wishing each other a happy new year, and uh,
2: finding out about how to make jerky. That's true. <laughs> who you? Who would have known? Yeah. <laughs> I, but there's a there's great conversation there. Yeah. Uh, it's a friendly room. That's right. Um, so it's a great benefit. That's true
1: well uh thank you David. We've got a special bunker alarm planned just for you mm-hmm. uh, andy you're gonna
2: i'm gonna program thank uh you. david of i mean go as a as a patron you you undoubtedly know that uh here in the bunker we utilize the bunk tech bunker alarm three thousand system to play a perfectly synced alarm uh, for true. all of our bunker alarm recipients uh so i'm gonna just go ahead and program the machine now. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> it's got a little little lever here what
3: <laughs> oh look at that thing <laughs>
2: okay uh let's see <laughs> scanning for the right alarm here oh david here we go this one's perfect for you okay uh and as is customary i'm gonna do a countdown. we don't need to for the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm it's 3000, needed. it's not necessary. It's a highly sophisticated piece of equipment. It's so expensive. But Art and I are, oh look, we, we're, we're traditionalists. We eschew technology. We chew it in all of its forms. And so we like to do a countdown just because it feels nice, okay? So we're going to countdown. And then, David, this alarm's for you. One, three.
3: <laughs> oh, no, I fucked up the countdown. Uh, season three. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> Phone it in. <laughs> three,
2: two,
3: one. <laughs> Wow. wow. What
1: a piece of technology. Ooh, I think that was called jowlin' at the moon. Jowling at the moon. David, that was for you. Thank David, you, David. Thank we you. We appreciate the you. patronage. We appreciate the support. It means a lot to us and it helps keep the lights on in this bunker.
2: <laughs> yeah, because clearly we might be on our own
1: here. Yeah. Well, anyway, Andy, speaking of being on your own, you know, uh, the Great Pyramid, you weren't necessarily on your own, but it was your final resting. Well, it wasn't yours, but it. it well, it will be. I'm building you a pyramid, but we'll get into that. Uh, it was the final resting p- place of these these great pharaohs of these Egyptian dynasties. They were technically all alone. Yeah, sealed in their coffins. Yeah, hey, guy. Now, obviously, they had lots of visitors throughout the years. Apparently, that's what you know. That's what the uh Egyptologists and archaeologists claim is that people would visit and walk through these massive tunnels and go visit the pyramid in the uh chambers. Yeah we've we've heard
2: that uh the pyramids in Egypt are a bit of a tourism draw. Uh we haven't verified that, that it's actually a place people go to visit, but <laughs> There are a lot of stories, a lot of rumors on the internet that that the uh, that the pyramids are a tourist destination. That's right.
1: Um, now, uh, I mean, I guess there's nothing left here but to get into it here, Andy. We've got a great big pyramid sized episode. It's <laughs> no pyramid scheme. No, this is
2: not a scheme. This is uh this is just a triangular plate of enchiladas, whole
1: enchiladas, steaming right to the tomb of your tummy, your tubey. Right here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time. I guess.
2: Get buried like an Egyptian. (laughs) Hey, Art! Hope you're doing well. Look i I know we haven't talked to each other much since high school, but uh, I, I do look at your social media posts uh it seems like things are going great for you huh um, anyway I'm reaching out because i have I have a question for you uh have you ever wanted to be your own boss and make more money than you ever have in your life
1: uh well uh well this is weird but are you asking me to be some sort of high-end escort for you no that's, that's because not- I'll do it. Okay, I once got paid to give a rim job to the former host of Legends of the Hidden Temple, Kirk Fogg. At the nick at a Nickelodeon Coke party, nonetheless. Oh. You think I can't fucking handle you? Okay. Uh that's that's cool. Uh I guess I'm not
2: really interested in uh escort services or, or rimming celebrities or, or, or whatever. I'm actually wondering if you want to become a sales rep for Kath and him. It's the uh the world's first company dedicated exclusively to providing catheters to male patients as a sales rep you'd be responsible for locating men who need catheters selling them catheters and then installing them you set your own you set your own hours answer to no one not even the government and have a chance to make great commissions so are you interested
1: uh, sorry andy but i don't think so I already make pretty good money shoving stuff in men's urethras. But hey, out of curiosity, is Kath and him one of them uh, pyramid schemes?
2: Oh, my no. It's a multi-level marketing company. Here, look at this org chart. As you can clearly see, this is more of a a triangular shape than a pyramid. (laughs) But I do understand your confusion. Boy, for a real pyramid scheme, you'd have to go back all the way to,
1: I don't know ancient egypt wow great idea long lost acquaintance from high school with whom i now only maintain a tenuous social media connection great idea
2: yeah thank you
1: now let's go back to ancient egypt talk about some some real pyramids here and hey while we're at it let's just talk about pyramids in general okay i can't get enough of those shapes yeah now Andy, in case you don't know, a pyramid is described by Encyclopedia Britannica thusly, and I quote, a monumental structure constructed of or faced with stone or brick and having a rectangular base and four sloping triangular or sometimes trapezoidal sides meeting an apex or truncated to form a platform. End quote. So, you know, It's a big triangle-shaped building. (laughs) Okay. Right? It's a fucking pyramid. I get it. It's a fucking pyramid. You don't know what it looks like. Google it. Okay? Yeah. It's a pyramid. Now, while the pyramids in Egypt are maybe the most famous of all pyramids anywhere, there are pyramids all over the world, such as those in Central and South America and Southeast Asia. Now, pyramids have different significance or purpose uh, in different cultures, but because of their massive size and the fact that so many ancient peoples built them, They've attracted a lot of hypotheses about their origins or their, quote, true purpose, which we'll get into in a bit. Before we do, though,
2: we got to tell you what the so-called accepted mainstream thoughts are on pyramids. As I am wont to do, I will start with some history. <laughs>
0: yeah! Unleash the history hog! <coughs> oh,
1: Jesus.
2: Ah. Uh-huh. So here's what your mainstream history and archaeology types will say. The Egyptian pyramids were built as funerary buildings. That is, they're basically just giant tombs. The pyramids of Egypt were constructed over a period of time from the beginning of the Old Kingdom through the end of the Ptolemaic period. The Old Kingdom ran from 2686 BCE, that's before Common Era, uh, to 2613 BCE and encompass the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th dynasties. Dynasties, by the way, uh, is a term used to describe periods where Egyptian rulers, or pharaohs, were from a common origin. The Ptolemaic period ran from 305 BCE until Egypt became a Roman province in 30 BCE. So basically, Egyptians were building pyramids from 2,686 to 30 BCE, a period of 2,656 years. Can we just pause for a second and talk about that? The Egyptians were building pyramids for more than 2,500 years. I don't really have anything else to add about this. That's just, I don't know. It's
1: a pretty wild statistic, right? Yeah. It's a long it, fucking time. It's a long time to be building some pyramids.
2: Even though the Egyptians were building pyramids for a long-ass period of time, the peak of pyramid building was during the 3rd through 6th dynasties, From about 2686 BCE to 2325 BCE in this period, pyramids were the typical royal tomb in Egypt. Pyramids were typically accompanied by other funerary structures as well. For example, the pyramid itself contained or or surrounded the actual grave of the pharaoh. The pyramid was built in some kind of enclosure on high ground. There was a mortuary temple on the grounds and generally a causeway leading to a pavilion which was at the edge of the site and might have been connected to the Nile River by a canal. These were big, elaborate complexes.
1: Hey, much like my Peter Pan complex. Mm. I just want to be a boy forever.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so cute. Egyptians built pyramids for a long time, but they built big tombs even before they started building pyramids. The granddaddy of the pyramid was the uh, Mastuba. Mastuba. Mastaba. Mastuba. Mastuba. A variety tomb built from the start of the dynastic era that is around uh, 3100 BCE uh, and maybe before. Now, a mastaba is a flat-topped rectangular structure made of mud bricks or stone which sits above the burial chamber. Now, the second pharaoh of the third dynasty, Djoser, uh, was the first to build a mastaba made completely of stone. After the mastaba was built, the sides were extended on the ground and the height of the mastaba was increased by adding rectangular constructions of decreasing size on top. The finished building is now called the Step Pyramid. What are you doing, Step Pyramid? Holding the remains of the deceased pharaoh, of course.
2: Just because your mastaba remarries doesn't make you too related to hold the pharaoh's dead body inside you. Or or something. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's pornography. The plot doesn't count. Yeah. Anyway, under the step pyramid was a complex system of corridors and rooms, including the burial chamber, which was built from granite. Following Djoser's innovations, Pharaoh Snefru of the 4th dynasty continued to push the tomb building envelope by building what's called today the bent, blunted, false, or rhomboidal pyramid. This pyramid, whatever you want to call it, has multiple slopes on the sides because the angle of the slope changes part way up the pyramid, being steeper, closer to the ground. The slope angles of the pyramid had to be changed twice during construction because the angles were too steep and the building was on the verge of collapsing. At Medum, Snefru also built what's considered the first true pyramid, even though it wasn't planned to be a true pyramid. The Medum Pyramid, as it's now known, had its orig- original structure gradually embiggened until it became an eight terraced step type pyramid. The steps were then filled in with stones to make the sides slope continuously. Then the whole thing was covered with smooth limestone, creating an actual geometric pyramid. Snefru also built the so-called Red Pyramid, which is the first known tomb both designed and built as a true pyramid.
1: God damn! Damn, Sneferu loved to build pyramids. He sure did, Andy. Even though Sneferu built a bunch of shit, he's not responsible for the most hogged out of all Egyptian pyramids. Ooh, baby. Which are the three pyramids at Giza on the west bank of the Nile River. Now, the pyramids at Giza are pretty impressive structures. They were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, with the oldest of the pyramids at Giza being the oldest of the seven wonders.
2: Of course, the other seven wonders of the ancient world are... The Colossus of Rhodes, the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus, the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, and the Statue of the Kool-Aid Man at Ohio, erected by my ancestors who worshipped the Kool-Aid Man as a god. May he pour his blessings upon us. Oh,
3: yeah.
1: Okay, uh, sure. Your family's weird religious beliefs aside, Andy, uh, the oldest of the three pyramids at Giza was built for Pharaoh Khufu, who was the son, or maybe the stepson, (laughs) of uh, Sneferu, and was the second pharaoh of the fourth dynasty. Now, Khufu's pyramid is known today as the Great Pyramid and is also the largest of all Egyptian pyramids. At 481 feet tall, That's equivalent to the height of a modern 44-story building. The Great Pyramid stood as the tallest man-made structure on Earth for 3,800 years. That's a big-ass building, okay? It's it's big. It's a big building. It covers the same area as seven Manhattan blocks, okay? It was built from approximately 2.3 million blocks of stone and weighs an estimated 5.75 million tons. Aside from just being massive, this is a finely constructed building. The eternal walls uh, and the few remaining intact outer casing stones show some of the best masonry in all of ancient Egypt. The precision of the Great Pyramid was mainly achieved by ancient engineers and builders using what we consider today to be relatively simple tools. Things like a plumb bob, which they lined up with the stars to make measurements. And they did a really good job at it. <laughs> In fact, the Great Pyramid is accurately aligned to the four cardinal points of the compass, that is north, south, east, and west. We should note that the pyramid uh, is, is aligned to true north, not magnetic north, as the compass had, well, hadn't been invented yet. Yeah, it wasn't for a while.
2: So obviously this precision is pretty remarkable considering the age of the structure and the tools at the disposal of the Egyptians. Uh, There is evidence, though, that the builders of the Great Pyramid went to great lengths to ensure the finished Pyramid turned out as exceptional as it did. Egyptologist John Romer studied survey points that dot the surrounding area on the Giza Plateau. Romer has suggested that the survey points were used to make a life-size plan of the Great Pyramid on the ground directly next to where the pyramid was to be constructed. Romer believes the ancient Egyptian engineers measured out the dimensions of the Great Pyramid with string, using the survey points, uh, and then use these measurements in construction of the actual pyramid itself. Clearly, it seems the Great Pyramid is the product of Egyptians who were building pyramids at a high level. In fact, the modern prevailing opinion is that, by Khufu's time, Egyptians developed some skills at pyramid building, all thanks to Snefru's aggressive pyramid building campaign. Essentially, Snefru did a bunch of rough drafts of the Great Pyramid, and the builders refined their techniques, which we'll also discuss momentarily. Uh, the end result of this refinement is the Great Pyramid. But of course, they didn't stop there. There are two other pyramids just at Giza alone. As we said, the Great Pyramid is the biggest and oldest of the three. The next biggest pyramid, and also the second oldest, was built for Khafre, who was a son of Khufu. The smallest and youngest of the pyramids was built for Menkare, who was a son of Khafre.
1: And those are just the uh, the three pyramids on the Giza Plateau. As we've alluded to already, there are There were pyramids built all over Egypt. Unfortunately, not that many have survived into modern times. Many Egyptian pyramids were destroyed a long time ago with all their treasures taken away by grave robbers or looters. Heck, even the pyramids at Giza have been looted inside and outside by medieval times. In fact, the pyramids at Giza are not as tall today as they were when they were originally built because almost all of their outer limestone casing has been stolen. Now, strangely enough, earlier built pyramids, such as those built in the 3rd to 5th dynasties, have more frequently survived until modern times. These pyramids were generally built mostly of stone, while later pyramid constructions were done primarily with mud bricks, which were then covered in limestone. Now, once the limestone gets looted, structures are susceptible to the elements. Now, beyond stealing the raw materials from the pyramid structures, looters have also stolen lots of treasures from inside the pyramids. In the case of the Great Pyramid, for example, Pharaoh Khufu's body should be inside the king's chamber. Yet, the body has never been found. Perhaps grave robbers took his treasures and his earthly remains. Of course, maybe Khufu's body was never there to begin with. Is it possible that Khufu was never even buried in this tomb? Fun question,
2: Art. (laughs) I, too, like to speculate about the final resting places of ancient monarchs. Are the bones in the trunk of my car actually those of Attila, King of the Huns? I'll never tell. (laughs) That's my secret. I will tell you that in the Great Pyramid of Khufu, modern scanning scanning techniques uh, have located a void in the pyramid directly above the Grand Gallery which is a large space in the pyramid and leads to the king's chamber where Khufu's body supposedly should be. Perhaps Khufu's body is actually above the Grand Gallery instead. Or maybe that void is full of sweet, sweet treasure. Who just taste it. Or maybe it's full of nothing. <laughs> oh, You see, early, earlier pyramid explorers found five empty chambers directly above the king's chamber. Above those five chambers, they found a sloped roof-type structure. Of course, this is a, a roof-type structure entirely within the structure of the Great Pyramid. Uh, these, these chambers and this roof were all put in place to help divert the crushing weight of the pyramid above away from the king's chamber. So maybe the void above the Grand Gallery is serving a similar function. Uh, I say there's only one way to find
3: out.
1: Blow off the roof of the Grand Gallery with dynamite! What are you, nuts? You'll damage the Pyramid! You want to dynamite the inside of a 4,000-year-old building? Well, I mean, give me a fucking break here, Art. It's not my idea.
2: That's how they found the chambers above the king's chamber. The explorer found some space between the granite blocks that formed the top of the king's chamber and stuck a reed through it, encountering no resistance on the other side. So he did what anyone would do, and he had his crew blast a hole in the king's chamber with dynamite. Then they just kept blasting... Until there stopped
1: being voids. Who was this ancient pyramid explorer, Frank Reynolds? So I pulls out my dynamite and I just started blasting.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what
1: maybe, <the> fuck? maybe. <laughs> Anywho, now that we know how to destroy the pyramids, let's let's discuss how they were built. Again, this is the mainstream thought on pyramid construction, which honestly is still definitively it's it's unknown. Yeah, but modern archaeologists. Egyptologists and historians think they have some pretty good ideas. These eggheads. These eggheads. Glenn Dash, an engineer and part of the Giza Plateau mapping project, believes the ancient builders took great care to level the bedrock at the side of the pyramid in order to build a nearly perfectly level foundation. Dash also has an idea for how the Egyptians were able to so accurately orient the the pyramids' foundation to the cardinal directions on all they needed was a stick and maybe some small stones. Dash suggests that the ancient engineers could have stuck a stick in the ground on either the uh, spring or fall equinox. On those days, the sun rises and sets directly in the east and west, respectively. By following the stick's shadow across the ground, the engineers could have marked with stones a perfect east-west line on the ground. By uh, combining this technique with some of the specialized surveying tools we've already mentioned, the engineers achieved pretty darn good results. Surely waiting
2: for an equinox and mapping a perfect east-west line on the ground takes some effort. Why did the pyramid builders go to all this trouble? Modern Egyptologists believe it was for religious regions, uh, especially, specifically because of the Egyptian religious connection to the sun. In ancient Egyptian religion, all pharaohs are the sons of the sun god Ra. Yes, that means that all pharaohs are actually gods, divine rulers. Ancient Egyptians believed that every night the pharaohs joined the sun god to descend to the underworld and battle the forces of darkness, hopefully returning at dawn with the rising sun. This nightly battle between good and evil, culminating in the eventual triumph of the forces of light, was seen as critical for the survival of Egypt and its people. So basically, they did all this aligning to make sure the deceased pharaoh could team up with Ra and the other pharaohs to form the Egyptian Avenger Squad, head to the underworld, and kick fucking ass to save Egypt.
1: Woo! I can just imagine it. You better watch out, Osiris, it's me, Pharaoh Sejafakare. and I'm here with Ra and all my Fair bros. And we're gonna we're here to fucking beat your ass. Y Oh, I didn't realize I'm a Texan.
3: Shit.
2: The Texas pharaoh. I'm the Texas pharaoh! Yeah, Sinji Kafari was really the uh, first major Texan player in (laughs) Egyptian history, I think. It's dynasty!
1: (laughs) Anyway, so as we said, (laughs) the question of exactly how the pyramids were raised up from the ground has never really been definitively answered. Now, over the years, there have been a lot of suggestions. The ancient Greek historian uh, Herodias wrote a history in approximately 450 BCE, which included information from a trip Herodias took to Egypt. Now, keep in mind, Herodias wrote this story around 2,000 years after Pharaoh Khufu died. So, the Great Pyramid was already very, very old by this time, and Herodias was essentially a tourist. Not unlike visitors to Giza today. And he picked up a lot of information from the 450 BCE equivalent of a, a local tour guide. <laughs> now, we don't know if he was on an ancient double-decker tour bus. <laughs> we have to assume the answer is yes. Yeah, we have to assume. Uh, by <laughs>
2: the way, it's it's Herodotus. Herodotus?
1: Yeah. What did I say? Herodias? Herodias. Herodotus. Yeah. My bad, buddy. Sorry. He's, my apology well, to the ancient Greeks. Yeah, he's dead. All of our ancient Greek listeners, my bad. And this guy's got the nerve to call himself a Mediterranean. Do you believe this? (laughs) According to Herodotus, the... uh, What was it? Herodotus. Herodotus. (laughs) Fuck. The Great Pyramid took 100,000 men 20 years to build. Now, another Greek historian, Diodorus Siculus. Got any issues there? Not bad. Kalamata Olive Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Claimed 360,000 workers were engaged uh, in building the Great Pyramid. But that, the structure was hardly finished after 20 years. Now, more modern estimates suggest that the structures on the entire Giza Plateau were constructed over the reign of five different pharaohs in less than 100 years. So these structures include the Great Pyramid, uh, Khafre and Mencuare's, uh pyramids, the Great Sphinx, the Sphinx and the Valley Temples, and a number of boat pits and causeways, and paving most of the plateau with big old stones.
2: Herodotus and other Greek historians generally believed that the pharaohs utilized slave labor to achieve these building feats. Modern archaeologists, however, discount this idea in favor of a more willing workforce. In fact, archaeologists have unearthed evidence that a smaller workforce may have resided on site on a permanent basis. In the late 1980s and 1990s, excavations of areas around the pyramids showed evidence of basically a, a laborer's town with bakeries, workshops, and even burial sites for workers and craftsmen. Archaeologists have dated the areas to the late Fourth Dynasty. Perhaps as few as 20,000 workers with support personnel, uh, for example, people to prepare food, could have built the structures at Giza. Some Egyptologists believe the Great Pyramid itself may have been built in only 10 to 14 years, with a workforce of around 13,000, with a peak workforce of 40,000 laborers. Romer suggests uh, 25,000 workers were on site at the peak labor force size and they were laying two stones every three minutes. That would allow the crew to finish the pyramid in 14 years. One Egyptologist who has done extensive work to uncover some of the construction methods of the ancient Egyptians is Mark Lehner. Lehner started researching ancient Egypt in the 1970s initially because he held new age beliefs at the time. Some of which we'll discuss later. But once he actually traveled to Egypt, he found his beliefs didn't match with reality. So he basically converted to a more mainstream archaeology and is now a leading Egyptologist. Lehner thinks Herodotus' story is too simplistic. Lehner and his team were the ones who uncovered the laborer's city I mentioned a moment ago. They also found an ancient garbage dump nearby where they found millions of artifacts dated to even before the time of the laborer's city. The evidence the team uncovered indicates the pyramid builders were highly skilled. These were specialized workers and craftsmen working with and crafting specialized tools. The evidence indicates mass food production, including a lot of animal bones, showing that many animals were slaughtered, far more than most people in the general population would have eaten.
1: Now, all of this leads uh, Laner and team to believe that the buildings of the pyramids were actually very well cared for. Lehner believes that the workers were probably primarily farmers and worked on the pyramids during the Nile flood season, possibly in lieu of paying taxes. ching What a deal! That said, Lehner's research indicates there were maybe about 5,000 permanent salaried workers on site. According to Lehner's uh, estimates, there were likely more people involved in feeding the workers than there were actual workers building the pyramids. Given all this, some modern Egyptologists have suggested that the massive construction projects at sites like Giza could have been a way for the pharaoh to, you know, occupy the peasants who were basically unemployed during the flood season. You know, by giving these folks, you know, construction projects to work on, it possibly kept them from heading into the local taverns, slinging back a few beers and getting pissed off at the government. (laughs) I know that's what I do when I can't grow my goddamn pomegranates and chickpeas. Yeah, you are really a malcontent. <laughs> I am.
2: <laughs> Some Egyptologists suggest that building the pyramids could have also been a matter of national pride. The number of people involved in building the pyramids was the equivalent of around 10 million people in the modern-day USA involved in completing one massive project. John Romer, you remember him, sees the pyramids as works of passion. To Romer, the builders of the pyramids must have been motivated to do such e- must have been motivated to do such excellent work. Romer does not believe that slaves would have taken such care and attention to the task if they were being forced to complete it and brutalized while doing so. Regardless of who exactly was doing this work, there's a general modern mainstream consensus about some some techniques used. There is general agreement that workers likely used copper tools to cut softer stone, like the limestone. Workers likely used an abrasive, like quartz sand, on their tools to help them cut harder stones, like granite. Once all these blocks were cut from the quarries, they had to be transported to the building site. And frankly, this is one point where there's not really a consensus opinion necessarily. Some of these blocks had to travel quite a long way to get to Giza. The rough limestone that makes up the core of the pyramids came from a quarry that was pretty close to Giza. No big deal, right? The higher quality limestone that was used for the outer surface of the pyramids came from Tura, which was, which was also not too far away from Giza. The granite that formed the interior chambers of the pyramid, though, that granite came from Aswan, which is about 500 miles south of Giza. Now, to complicate this whole process further, the pyramids were constructed from the ground up, building everything in the pyramid all at once. So the builders were building the the outside of the pyramid and the inside of the pyramid at the same time, working from the bottom to the top. So it's like, it's kind of like a cartoon of a building going up where it's like, They build the bottom and they just, it's everything all the way across the whole structure. So they don't build any interior or exterior parts up without, it's all at the same time. So what that means is that all of the different types of materials were all needed in some quantity, pretty much all at the same time.
1: Now, one popular idea for how the stone blocks were transported to the site is the good old fashioned sled method used by Santa. Yeah. Basically, you put a block. True. Well, it's, it is true, <laughs> Andy. You can't deny it. Yeah. Basically, you put the block on a wooden sled and just uh, drag it to wherever using, you know, maybe water or milk to lubricate the ground. Ooh, baby. Then you can relatively easily drag your rock-hard load across the slick, moist ground to stick it in your enormous erection.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, both Mark Laner and John Romer support the wooden sled method. One issue with sleds is wood. yeah that's fair (laughs) in order to build wooden sleds to transport stone blocks on this scale you need wood wood has also was also needed for the inside of the pyramids. see the pyramids contain a lot of filler uh, which was helped to you know stabilize the whole construction the filler is most mostly gypsum mortar and rubble Uh, the gypsum mortar had to be dehydrated through heating which requires a lot of wood all of these wood needs are surprising because there is, you know, somewhat famously not a lot of wood in Egypt. It's possible that wood would have uh, would have been imported from places like Lebanon. But that's, you know, that, that would have been very costly. Some relative recent studies have suggested that Egypt might have just recycled all the non-essential wood in the kingdom in order to augment their wood production capabilities in order to build these pyramids. Radiocarbon dating studies undertaken in 1984 and 1995 indicated that materials used in the building of pyramids were 100 to 300 or more years older than the generally accepted date of construction of the pyramids. Now, maybe this means that the generally accepted date of construction is off by a few centuries, but, you know, the radiocarbon dating studies did not produce enough evidence to say that definitively. But, it might be reasonable to conclude that wood from all across the kingdom was scraped to complete these massive construction projects.
2: Now, as far as block moving goes, wooden sleds aren't the only game in town. Some Egyptologists have suggested other methods. For example, Dr. R.H.G. Dick Perry put forth a method of rolling the stones through the use of a machine that was excavated in some New Kingdom temples. Uh, By the way, the New Kingdom ran from about 1550 to 1069 BCE, covering the 18th, 19th, and 20th dynasties. The rolling method involves putting four of the devices found in the temples around a block of stone. Then the stone could be rolled easily to the build site. Some other Egyptologists don't believe this is a credible method for moving larger blocks of stone, uh, like those that weigh 15 or more tons. That said, they do think the roller could be used for smaller two-and-a-half-ton blocks, which formed the bulk of the pyramids. Perhaps the blocks were delivered to the building site by boat. Didn't think about that, did you, Art? Egyptologist Pierre Tellé and his team found papyri, uh, which is like an ancient Egyptian version of paper, uh, from the time of Khufu while they were excavating the ancient port of Wadi al-Jarf. Wadi al-Jarf was the landing spot for copper from the Sinai, which was very important and needed to build the tools uh, to build the pyramids. The papyri indicates they are from the 27th year of Khufu's reign. The text is kind of like an ancient spreadsheet, uh, which kept track of goods received uh, and delivered by the boat crew. Included in the papyri is a description of ancient man-made basins constructed to fill with uh, Nile floodwaters, which theoretically could have allowed for pyramid building material to be transported basically to the foot of the pyramid. Interestingly, a couple of boats have been found at Giza. One boat is ceremonial and was buried with Khufu. Another boat, though, was an actual working transport boat. It's possible that the ancient engineers built large basins and networks of channels to allow the flooding Nile to help bring building materials right to the job site. Even if the papyri doesn't fully verify such a technique was used, it certainly sheds light on the
1: ancient supply chain, which was quite complex. Now, when it comes to pyramid building, honestly... Getting materials to the job site is arguably not even the largest concern. The big problem is getting all them big old blocks up in the dang air. I mean, how'd them fucking Egyptian fellers get them big old blocks so high up in the air? It's a question. It is a question. (laughs) And I want damn answers. Oh, (laughs) jeez. He's he's so malcontent. I'm going to go down there in the hell and battle Osiris. It's me. Uh... Sinda Kufari, Uh, the name he gave me earlier. I forget which which pharaoh we picked. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. Well, nobody really knows for certain. That's that's what sucks. This is pretty much an open question, and there have been plenty of suggestions about how this feat was accomplished. Theodorus Siculus uh, suggested that the blocks were set in place using earthen ramps which were removed once the pyramid was complete. Quote, so that it seems not the result of the patient labor of men, but rather as if the whole complex were set down entire upon the surrounding sand by some god. Quote. More on that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Get that, ancient gods. Uh, frankly, ramps are sus- suspected of being used by some modern, you know, by by being used by some modern Egyptologist. Uh They see ramps as probably the method that makes the most sense but also admit that ramps alone couldn't get the job done. Other tools would have to be involved. That said, there is archaeological evidence which supports the use of ramps. It's just not its just not very much evidence. <laughs> Regardless, the evidence seems to indicate the pyramids were built using construction methods that were not standard practice in Egypt at the time.
2: But that kind of makes sense, right? These were unique buildings. So, it seems reasonable to say that the methods used in their construction would be unique. Modern Egyptologists uh, recognize that the structures at Giza are anomalies. No other pyramid-building efforts matched this scale, and no pyramid of a similar size to the Great Pyramid was attempted before it was built. So, while the, the ancient builders developed techniques, the scale of this construction was unlike anything before or after. So... Some of the methods employed may be difficult to identify, especially considering the length of time between the actual construction and modern times. But now, back to ramps! Woo! Even though ramps are a prime suspect, archaeologists and Egyptologists can't all agree on what type of ramp could have been used. Most seem to agree that one huge ramp on one side of the pyramid probably was not used. There's no evidence this method was employed, and it would have required a ton of labor and resources to build. Managing this ramp would be like, I don't know, managing my career. Not worth it even a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like such such little reward for so much wasted time and effort. Hey, speaking of, uh, go, go out and buy my autobiography, which is out in, in stores now. It's called Such Little Reward for So Much Wasted Time and Effort. So far, it has half a star on Goodreads. Most people are saying the book is too believable, even for a nonfiction book <laughs> and that there are orange Cheetos fingerprints on every page <laughs> it's good feedback anyway. Mark Laner thinks ramps made of rubble were used with the ramps perhaps surrounding the entire pyramid as it was constructed, at which point the ramps were all deconstructed, but Laner's not the only one with ramp ideas. <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
1: Enter one Jean-Pierre Houdin, a former architect uh, who got interested in the pyramids and decided to make a CAD. That's a computer-aided design model of the Great Pyramid. Now, Houdin used the model to develop a hypothesis of an external ramp used to build the first 30% of the pyramid with an internal ramp used to move stones further up. Now, the stones from... Uh, the external ramp are then repurposed to build the upper sections of the pyramid, which would have explained the lack of evidence. Now, in this method, each internal ramp ended at an open space and a notch temporarily left open in the edge of the, of the, of the structure. The space had an extra, uh, had an, excuse me, the space had an area of 10 square meters and contained a crane to lift and rotate blocks, where eight men dragged it up the next internal ramp. As for evidence of this, a notch was found in one of the places where Houdin thought it would be. But uh, that's about it. You know, Houdin's hypothesis has not been proven, and some Egyptologists have dismissed it outright.
2: Herodotus wrote about putting the blocks into place, but it's a non-ramp method, which, I mean, I'm blown away by a non-ramp method. According to Herodotus, the pyramid was initially built like stairs or tiers, maybe similar to the step pyramid. Once that was finished, workers used short wooden logs as levers to lift the stones up up uh, steps or tiers level by level. They did this either by using a lever on each level or by moving the lever itself to the different levels. Herodotus was not sure which uh, method was accurate. Now, unlike his dumb fucking opinion on the pyramid labor force, Herodotus might be onto something with this lever bullshit. Modern Egyptologists actually see this as a pretty good complement to using a ramp. Mark Lehner suggests that levers could be used to lift the upper 3% of the pyramid into place. Now, interestingly, Lehner points out that the uppermost 4% of the material in the pyramid accounts for one third of the total height of the building. Uh, so, to Lehner, levers could have been used to lift a small amount of material and add a great deal of height. Uh, In fact, some other Egyptologists have attempted experiments with levers and shown that the method works. Unfortunately, the archaeological record is not clear on what real-life
1: Fourth Dynasty Egyptians actually did. Now, if you're like me and you're sick of ramps and levers, you're going to love this next hypothesis. Locks. Mm -hmm. Smoked salmon? No, no, Andy. And I'm not talking hair. Hair. Ooh, loam, beautiful hair. I'm talking locks. Like in a canal, baby. Ooh, you Whoa. know already loves him a good canal. Can't get enough. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Amsterdam. Damn you. They have a canal, right? Yeah, probably. I know, I Panama. <laughs> that was <one's> pretty famous. <laughs> I get yeah. Panama. Love that song. Now, in the Artees Canal, the rising tide raises all ships. And they never come down. Ooh-wee-goo-goo-ga. What the fuck? I love canals. Ooh-wee-goo-goo-ga. You guys know. I'm always saying it. Big part of my lore. Your
3: famous catchphrase. That's my famous catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh-wee-goo-goo-ga. Now, you remember
1: that, Papri. That was from Wadi Al Jafar. Uh, Wadi Al Jarf. Wadi Al Jarf. <laughs> Fuck. That mentioned a man-made basin used to transport materials to the pyramid construction site. Well, some people have suggested that maybe they use this, the same kind of method to transport materials up the side of the pyramid. And basically they put flotation devices on the stone blocks and you know float the whole damn thing up a water-filled shaft using a series of locks. Now, that's a method Pharaoh Kufart <laughs> <laughs> would have used. That's me, Goo Goo You can put, <laughs> put a stamp on it. <laughs> ooh wee, Goo Goo Gah.
2: Pharaoh Kufart approves. Kufart approved. <laughs> well, I have no doubt that Pharaoh Kufart would love what we're going to get into next. Alternative ideas. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Unlike floating stone blocks, these ideas don't go with the flow. They back up your toilet until your wife yells at you and calls you knucklehead because you drank too much gravy and now your dookie is dense like a doo-doo brick. We've all been there. (laughs) And these alternative pyramid ideas, much like my stool, are numerous. There's even a field of study for alternative pyramid research. It's called pyramidology. Uh, Now, most of these ideas uh, center around the Great Pyramid and the Giza Complex. That's why we spent a lot of time on Egyptian pyramids. There's even a few different branches of pyramidology. Uh, Metrological pyramidology is perhaps the oldest identified branch of pyramidology. Metrological pyramidology concerns hypotheses regarding the construction of pyramids by geometric measurements. This branch goes all the way back to the 17th century when in 1646, this is common era, John Greaves, an English astronomer and mathematician, took measurements of the Great Pyramid using the best tools of the time and published his findings in a book. While Greaves wasn't advancing any alternative ideas himself, the work he did was picked up by numerologists who used his data to put forward some alternative
1: ideas on the Great Pyramid. Then in the middle 19th century, Friedrich uh, Robert... Robert? You're a Rober. Rober.
3: Yeah.
1: Rober. Friedrich Robert Robert linked the Egyptian pyramids to the Golden Ratio. Ooh. Now, to explain, two quantities are in the golden ratio if their ratio is the same as the ratio of their sum to the larger of the two quantities. Now, expressed algebraically, that is, uh, parentheses A plus B divided by uh, A is equal to A divided by B is equal to the golden ratio. If A is greater than B and B is greater than zero. Now, I know this makes sense Audio-wise. You don't need a visual to explain that. You just no. need audio. No, I just mean listen to what I said. That's why they should get rid of algebra textbooks and it just yeah. should just be somebody I'll saying teach it. formulas. Yeah. I'll teach it to you. Now that makes sense, right? Like verbally saying an algebra qu- oh. That makes sense, right? Like verbally saying an algebra equation is a good way to explain something, right? Or <laughs> yeah, like reading the script beforehand sometimes <laughs> instead yeah. of just yeah. kind of skimming it. Yeah. I mean it's one of our
2: one of our most famous uh, things that we do, uh, explaining things that are best done visually, but
1: <laughs> verbally. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad everyone here agrees. But unfortunately for Robert, uh, Robert, uh, whatever his name is, uh, modern scholars feel the connection between the pyramids and the golden ratio is you know kind of purely coincidental. They say that the concept of the golden ratio was not known to the Egyptian pyramid builders and that they're a, you know, they were not aware of any humans possessing knowledge of the Golden Ratio before the 5th century BCE. Nevertheless, pyramidologist John Taylor picked up on Rober's connection to the Golden Ratio, and Taylor ran with it, even publishing a book in 1859 titled, The Great Pyramid. Why was it built, and who built it? Great question. <laughs> Aside from the Golden Ratio, Taylor was also the first person to claim the pyramids were not built by the Egyptians, but actually the Hebrews. As evidence, Taylor cited a couple Bible passages.
2: Isaiah 19, verses 19 through 20. In that day shall there be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. And it shall be for a sign and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, For they shall cry unto the Lord because of the oppressors, and he shall send them a Savior, and a great one, and he shall deliver them. And Job chapter 38, verses 5 through 7. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy.
3: Now,
1: Taylor's work made an impact on other pyramidologists as well, who used his work to connect the pyramids to the British Imperial Unit's measurement system, as well as connect the pyramids to the idea of British Israelism. Now, British Israelism is a concept that the people of the British Isles are actually the descendants of the Ten Lost Tribes of Israel. Charles Taze Russell... Charles Taze Russell... Taze? Like the T?
2: It's Tazo, and I don't really know how you say his middle name. You just call him Charles Russell,
1: I guess. Oh, it is Tazo, isn't it? Yeah. Fuck. Jeez. <laughs> embarrassing. Oh, boy. Sorry, T-Freaks. Charles Taze Russell, uh, was, uh, who founded the forerunner organization to the modern-day Jehovah's Witnesses, rejected British I- Israelism, but did believe that the pyramids were, quote, the Bible in stone, unquote. Russell believed the pyramids would play a part in the apocalypse, and shared his views with all of his followers. Then, in the
2: 1960s and 70s, the concept of pyramid power gained some traction. Pyramid power is a somewhat self-explanatory term once you understand what it means. I guess
1: it's not so much self-explanatory. Now, this has nothing to do with puppy power, like Scrappy Doo says.
2: Uh, It's similar. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, like you'll see the connection here in a second. All right. Pyramid power is the idea that the pyramids are used to generate and or store power much like uh, Scrappy-Doo has a nuclear reactor inside of his body. That's right. Pyramid power, you get it. Mesoamerican pyramids are even getting in on this act. Burn marks along the remaining buildings along the Avenue of the Dead in Teotihuacan, Mexico, are the remnants of a fire started during an uprising in the 6th century Common Era. At least, that's what mainstream scientists say. Some researchers, though, claim the burn marks could not have been made by torch fire alone. They suggest that the pyramids at Teotihuacan were actually being used as electromagnetic power plants, and the burn marks were actually made by an unexpected release of energy or possibly some kind of mechanical fire. Some folks believe that all pyramids globally were designed and built to tap the resonant power of the Earth and distribute it across the globe. As evidence... Researchers claim that the pyramids at Teotihuacan were built over caverns and had liquid mercury and the mineral mica incorporated in their designs. Also, they say religious traditions claim the so-called gods came and left from the pyramids. Researchers say this is a typical power plant of the gods story. You hear it so many times. And of course, the gods were actually extraterrestrials. In his 1968 book, Chariots of the Gods?, Eric Von Daniken raised questions about the origin of the Egyptian pyramids and suggested they are of antediluvian origin, that is, before the flood of Noah, and that Khufu only put his name on the building in an act of historical credit stealing. Von Daniken hints that ETs may have been involved in the construction, but you could probably have guessed that since that's it's kind of what the whole book is about. Uh, more recently, even Elon Musk tweeted his support for the ancient extraterrestrial astronaut building pyramid hypothesis. In 1996, Robert Boval and Graham Hancock put forth their idea, somewhat similar to von Däniken's, that the pyramids at Giza were planned to be built all the way back in 10,500 BCE, but were not actually constructed until 2,500 BCE. The pair has also championed the idea that the layout of the three pyramids at Giza was chosen to match the alignment of stars in the constellation Orion. Robert Schoch, a natural sciences professor at Boston University, believes the core of the Giza pyramids are much older than the exteriors, but that some of the exteriors may still be older than the dynastic era. Choch has suggested that all pyramids on Earth, perhaps, were inspired or built by an ancient civilization that had to flee its home due to rising sea levels from
1: comets hitting Earth. Now, speaking of, other researchers have also suggested that pyramids all over the world were built using advanced technology. Perhaps the pyramid builders were castaways from the advanced but doomed land of Atlantis. These hypotheses help explain the proliferation of pyramids across the globe. As survivors from destroyed civilizations spread out to disseminate their vast knowledge. Still others, including no less uh, than US politician and Dr. Ben Carson, believe the Giza pyramids were built by the biblical Joseph, son of Jacob and Rachel, not Jesus' daddy. Well, no, well, Jesus is adoptive father, really earth, earth, daddy, earth, daddy, earth, daddy,
2: which is what they call me at the club. (laughs)
1: That's right. Earth and I'm, and I'm fire daddy. Daddy, And then we have a third friend who we don't bring up who's wind daddy. Yeah. Anyway, we have fun. The biblical Joseph, right? He, you know, he used, he built these pyramids to store grain. Others have suggested that pyramids are harmonic devices which can harness the vibrations of the earth or generate their own vibrations for, you know, <laughs> purposes.
3: <laughs> and yet,
1: maybe the pyramids are 3D models of the afterlife realm. Who knows? We're just throwing shit out. <laughs> Seeing what Think sticks. About it. Now, aside from these ideas on the function and construction of the pyramids, other researchers have pointed out that some pretty interesting things, there's some pretty interesting things happening with these pyramids. According to some researchers, the Great Pyramid is positioned at basically the center of the Earth's landmass. They say if you drew lines through the Great Pyramids, cardinal and ordinal points, uh, and the lines went all around the globe, the lines would pass through more landmass than if you did the same thing at any other point on the Earth. Researchers also say that Giza is located one third of the way between the equator and the North Pole. They say the ancient Egyptians were aware of this and chose the site at Giza specifically because of this. How about some numbers now, huh?
2: You guys like numbers? Researchers say that uh, the Egyptian royal cubit, uh, which is the earliest known standard unit of measure in the world and was used in the construction of the Egyptian pyramids at least since Pharaoh Djoser's uh, step pyramid, uh, the Egyptian royal cubit, uh, researchers say, uh, equals one twenty-five millionth of the Earth's polar diameter. That is uh, the distance through the Earth from the North Pole to the South Pole. So this means... If you multiply the Egyptian royal cubit by 25 million, you get the Earth's polar diameter. According to researchers, the length of one side of the Great Pyramid is 365.242 cubits. There are 365.242 days in a solar year here on Earth. Ooh, creepy. Further, the length and width of the Great Pyramid's sides correspond to an exact fraction of latitude and longitude of the equator. Researchers say that this means the Great Pyramid is essentially a scale model of the Northern Hemisphere. Graham Hancock takes these numbers a bit further. Graham says that the Great Pyramid has the same dimensions as Earth, but at a scale of 1 to 43,200. In other words, if you multiply the dimensions of the pyramid by 43,200, you can find the dimensions of Earth. According to Hancock, one zodiacal age, that is the period in which one constellation of the Zodiac houses the sun is 2,160 years. The sun moves one degree every 72 years, which you multiply by 30 degrees for each symbol of the Zodiac. Therefore, 2,160 years, one zodiacal age. If you multiply the zodiacal age by 12, you get 25,920 years, which is the time it takes to cycle through all the Zodiac signs. So that's a, that's a great age, uh, if I'm not mistaken. 43,200, you remember that number, is equal to 72 times 600. Hancock says that in Egyptian mythology, Osiris was killed by Set and 72 conspirators. According to Hancock, 72 pops up all over ancient mythology. Hancock says that Angkor Wat, the religious complex in Cambodia, is 72 degrees longitude from Giza. Ancient astronaut meme lord Giorgio Tsoukalos claims the coordinate point of the Great Pyramid is the same number as the speed of light measured in meters per second.
1: Whoa, far out, man! Now, bunkfuckers.
2: Whoa, ooh wee goo goo ga, man. Ooh
1: wee goo goo ga. I love canals. Hi, I'm podcast co-host Art. You might remember me from such catchphrases as ooh wee goo goo ga That's <laughs> so stupid. All right, bunkfuckers. It's time for Andy and I to saddle up our camels and set out across the desert sands onto our next adventure. We've taken a lot of measurements. We've spent a lot of time crawling around inside dusty old monuments to long dead kings, getting stuck in narrow corridors, sweating profusely, and breathing in dust. But it was all worth it to ascend that shaft, pass through that large opening, and wriggle into the king's chamber. There, we found a massive, golden sarcophagus. Where inside, we found the ultimate treasure a whole enchilada. <laughs> Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message.
2: It sure is chilly outside, Art. Andy, where's your jacket? Art, did you hear me? The
1: wind chill is 30 below. Andy, I think you have hypothermia. You know,
2: Art, with the horrific chilly weather outside, the only thing that'll warm me up is listening to Andy and Art Debunked, available only on patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod.
1: Are you seriously shilling our Patreon right now? Oh, Art, <laughs> laughing at the antics of Andy and Art is all the warmth I need.
2: And for just $5 a month, I get access to all the episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes updates, sneak peeks at episodes, and I can chat with Andy and Art on the Bunker Discord.
1: Andy, we need to get you to a hospital.
2: We need to get me to patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. So chilly. Oh, God. I'm
1: chilled to the bone. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Vunkers. That was our research of, uh the great pyramid i think you know or just pyramids what do you, i guess the great pyramid that's what we kind of focused on andy
2: yeah i think um you know for for look lots of there's lots of pyramids all over the world so many pyramids so many pyramids and uh that's part of the mystery of the pyramids um but i think most of the hypotheses about them center around egypt and it's mostly about the giza plateau so we spent a lot of time talking about pyramids in Egypt for that reason. Right.
1: Um, Andy, how do you feel about the. Uh, you're, you're a bit of a history freak. You're a history nut. Um, you get off on that stuff pretty yeah. recently. You were talking about that Pharaoh game. You're telling me about that Pharaoh game that you used to play.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I used to play that Sierra game Pharaoh, uh, which was all about, uh, which was all about, uh, like, you were basically like a. It's it's like you it's a like a city building game, but you're like you're like in service of the Pharaoh, and so you have to complete missions for the pharaoh and you know it like some of them involve building like designing cities and you know, gathering resources and building pyramids.
1: Pyramids. Okay. So where where are you? You You big Egypt guy, you big pyramid guy? What's up?
3: Uh, You know this stuff?
1: Huh? You going on with this stuff? What's going on?
2: What do you mean? You know this stuff? Uh I think it's interesting. I don't know that I'm like the Egypt guy. Yeah. I don't know that I'm a pyramid guy. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting though. Yeah. um... I don't know that much about Egyptian history. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you one thing though. Like it's crazy to me. I mean, I, I mentioned this, but it's crazy to me, like the span of time that there's been civilization in Egypt. It's true. And like, you know, sort of contiguous ruler you know, in Mesopotamia there's lots of turnover. You know what I mean? Like uh you know, it's like there's there's Assyrians, there's Babylonians, there's yeah. there's lots of lots of uh prominent Persians like Persians like taking over you know, just lots of different uh you know, civilizations that are that are like in control in the region and it's like Culture. in Egypt. Egypt it just didn't happen as much they had a like good handle on their territory.
1: Yeah. I mean, mean, the Persians
2: took it over. Alexander took it over. Obviously they got taken over by Rome,
1: you know, but that was all later on. They had a long ass fucking run.
2: Yeah. a Really long run. I mean, like, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's sort of mind boggling to me to think about civilization from like 5,000 BC. Yeah. Like, I don't know that's something that's like crazy to me about that.
1: I guess they just they just had really good resources, right? Like they they were on the Nile River, there's a lot of resources there when you when you start your civilization next to a river. Yeah. Um you're kind of protected in a way, right? Cuz I mean it's it's a des- it's kind of, you know, it's kind of an arid desert climate around there, right? Yeah. Uh
2: I don't I don't know what the climate would have been like back then. At the time, because I do, th- I am aware that the Sahara used to be like very lush grassland. Right. Uh, and it's become more arid more recently. But I'm assuming that's a longer period of time than like just a few thousand years. But I think there was mostly desert at the time. Right. So, but then, then, you know. Along the Nile. Because I guess the desert sort of offers some protection because it's harsh.
1: Right. Hard to transport an entire to,
2: army. Hard to get through. Yeah. And then you have, you know. You're going to take some kind of penalties. The Nile's like an oasis Yeah, There will be attrition penalties attrition. for your army. Yeah. yeah.
1: For your army. You're going take attrition penalties. We all unless, know. You know. We've all played strategy games. Unless you have some kind of stat that lets you not take attrition. Yeah, unless
2: your general has some sort of person in his retinue that, uh. You know, reduces attrition, yeah. or he's got some you know character trait that that helps you revive faster, right?
1: Right, like stores water.
2: Yeah, like you have it'd, camels or some you shit. Camp for a
1: turn, and you can replenish your right. troops. I mean, retrain whatever. Um, you know, I mean, here let's get into it. Here, Andy, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of contention here about this old fucking structure. Yeah,
2: it's funny too because I think a lot of times. What we're talking about with topics like this is there's one clear like consensus from mainstream science, and then there's like a bunch of fringe hypotheses. But in this case, there's not really a clear scientific consensus, and there's also a bunch of fringe hypotheses.
1: You know, there's a video that we'll link in the show notes from our favorite program on the planet called 60 (laughs) Minutes Australia Gold every time it's unbelievable how good 60 minutes australia is and how much more i like it than anything else that's ever been produced ever <laughs> any other television program <laughs> um they just there's just this i don't know 60 minutes australia just has this magic ability to be snarky and like also just get the most fun characters i don't know what it is they just they're it's unbelievable it's everything we've watched It hits on all cylinders. So they send this, like, nice Australian lady who's very, like, you know, she's a newscaster. So she's very, like, well-spoken and has, like, a light Australian accent. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't sound like what I think, you know, would probably be considered a bogan. Right. By Australian culture or Australian listeners. Right. Uh, So she's very newsly and she's got a very... And They kind of team her up with this fucking oaf. This fucking little British guy. I mean, it's John Romer little, that's John Romer, but he's this like sweating, heaving mess who is fucking like obsessed with the, like he is fucking creaming his pants over the, the the pyramids. He can't like, he is so passionate about the pyramids. I wish I had an ounce of his passion for anything in my life. Anything. Yeah. (laughs) Now they, you know, he talks all about it, but he has this really fun theory that we covered in the script, but it makes a lot of sense to me when I was watching. I was like, yeah, like, if you think about, Andy, you think about, like, problem solving, like any kind of problem, really. But more often than not, especially in my life, it's been solving uh, programming problems, computers, computer programming problems. Someone hits you with a problem, like, uh, okay, you have node one, and then you have node 10, and then there's nine different nodes of varying lengths, between one and 10, you have to find the algorithm that gets you from one to 10 in the shortest possible path. You understand? So like maybe from one to two, it's like 20 length from one to three. It's like four, they're all connected. And then you have to write a program. How would you do that? That's, that's problem solving again with the pyramids. So his idea, it's like, if you asked me, "Art, you have to go build a giant structure. How would you do it? It's like, well, what's the most basic level of problem solving on the planet? Map it out, (laughs) just map it out on the floor. Like, if I wanted to build, I don't know, like a house, I'd probably be like, well, I'll probably go be like this length and I'll probably go this far. That seems pretty good. Like, I'd walk it on my land. Yeah. Duh. Like, it seems pretty obvious that you would do something like that, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, you'd brute force it. It's like, it's funny
2: too, because there's lots of different opinions about those survey points. Yeah. Uh, but in an Occam's razor kind of way, Romer's like idea makes the most sense. Cause it's like, he's like, Oh, they literally are just the exact same dimensions as the pyramid. They're just doing it over here. Like they, they can do the math to like figure out what it's going to, so they mapped it out and right. then they just right next to it. <laughs> they built the thing to match. And that's how it ended up being so perfect is because, nice. They, they made the whole thing. They did it with a thing that was easy to adjust and that they could take detailed measurements on. And then all they had to do was like fit the, the blocks into place. And, and they
1: practiced. Yeah. They had tons of practice. Yeah. Snefru. They built a fuck ton of. Py- these pyramid crazy. Yeah. They they crazy. A fuck ton of pyramids. I mean, three
2: pyramids just in his, like at his command.
1: They would on smaller versions before they went and did this giant one. Yeah. Which, again, you know, I mean, here's the thing, you know. Well, anyway, we'll get into it. I just want to say, I want to keep talking about 60 Minutes Australia, though, because, I mean, these motherfuckers, they don't give a fuck about anybody. And I, that's what I love about them. They're up there. They go on the 60 Minutes show, and they take John Romer, and they fucking force him. He's like this old British... Uh, it doesn't seem British like they...
2: For, it didn't seem like they forced him, to I mean, him.
1: Probably not. But he fucking... They make him, like he's like crawling through. So <laughs> he's like two seconds away from cardiac arrest. He's profusely sweating. He's covered in dirt. And they're like making him fucking force himself through these little chasms. And at one point he fucking gets stuck in a shaft like yeah. Winnie the Pooh. His yeah. Big fucking ass is stuck. And they're just like, they're just filming him from the other side. They're just filming him. Like she like kind of kicks his foot yeah. to like
2: help get him loose. Now, Bunk funkers, bunk funkers, where they what they're what they're doing is so you go in you walk in through this door in the pyramid and then you have to ascend this like this narrow shaft it's like it's a like kind of a space you have to crawl in yeah it's and small then, and then you get to the grand gallery and that's big and open and then you go up another shaft which is small again and it's like very inclined and so uh you come to this place uh then that's the king's tomb and what they're doing then where he gets stuck is we mentioned those holes that they blasted in the roof of the King's, the King's chamber to get to these bare spaces. That's where they go. And so these spaces are much smaller, like clearly not designed for, uh, an older person of Romer's age, uh, and girth to like crawl through. These are probably like fit young men that were crawling through these spaces initially. And so the reporter's having no problem. Yeah. The 60 minutes Australia reporter. No, no problem. Romer's face is red like Art said He's sweating profusely, breathing heavily Like I'm like, you know You can tell You can tell that the reporter, like, he starts climbing the ladder And she's like, are you okay? (laughs) Like, you can tell She has this moment of concern, like He's gonna fall off this ladder and die Inside the
1: pyramid Can you imagine being cramped in those little pyramid tunnels With that fucking guy? Just fucking sniffing his smelly little farts (laughs) God, imagine the smell. Well, yeah,
2: cuz there's no ventilation cuz yeah. you know, those chambers Oh god, he's so sweaty. Like those chambers above, they were nobody was supposed to be there. Like they sealed that off. That right. was just purely to like divert the force of the pyramid above it away from the king's chamber so it wouldn't collapse. So nobody's supposed to be in these in these hollow chambers. So there's no ventilation. There's it's cramped. He, you're right. He probably smells like shit. Cuz He's so sweaty. He's so,
1: he's fucking covered in dirt. Yeah, he's just filthy. But I'll say this, this motherfucker never loses. He is so fucking excited to show 60 oh Minutes my Lady. God. The fucking red marks on the wizard. Oh put, put your hand on it. Put your hand on it. Touching an ancient, she's just like, yeah, oh yes, it's a, uh, it's it's a little sacrilege, you, don't you think?
0: You feel
2: that, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> and then there's that one point where he's like, are you all right, darling? <laughs> It's like, yeah, you should be worried about the reporter.
1: John this guy's Romer. a little too into the pyramids, don't you think? Yeah. Are you th- I mean, we kind of talked about it. Like, Listen, it's impressive, but it's one shape. <laughs> okay? Okay, we're all making a big stink about the pyramids. They are cool. I can't do that. I'm going to preface that and say like, I can't build a giant pyramid. I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm not an architect. Okay. But it's one shape. Okay. They didn't make different shapes. It was one shape and everybody's freaking out. They're acting like this ancient. What I'm saying is Andy, what I'm saying is that people, you know how I feel about these ancient structure stories. We did the same thing with Easter Island. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that these ancient cultures are too fucking brain dead. I'm like, it's one shape. They didn't build the fucking Sears Tower. It's a pyramid. It's one shape. And they built it out of squares. Yeah. It's not like they built like, like a smooth, they covered it with something in the end to make it smooth and at an actual pyramid. Yeah. Like a, But it's like, it's made out of, I mean, one shape.
3: <laughs>
1: it's impressive. Am I fucking crazy here? You sound
2: unimpressed, frankly <laughs> You sound you sound like you're shitting on Khufu
1: a little bit I'm not shitting on them I'm just saying it's like the People are always like How the fuck did they do this with These motherfuckers Were so stupid They didn't have CAD They didn't have it. It's like They figured it out They drew it on the floor And then they just did it You know Is uh not that hard? You, you raise
2: a point that I want to make At some point So I'm going to make it right now You know a lot of the alternative ideas involve ancient astronauts in some way. And I've said this before. I kind of have a beef with ancient astronauts. You do? As, a, as an idea. In pocket? Yeah, I have some beef in my pocket. Oh, I always carry some jerky with me, just in case. You never know. Um, but these, you know, ancient astronauts, like it, I, in some, in some ways, I find these ideas intriguing. Sure, they're fun. But in other ways, I don't. Think of that logically they do a good job of selling it because a lot of people say things like, there's no way ancient Egyptians would have had the technology to pull off uh, construction of this magnitude with this amount of precision. But then at the same time, it's like if they draw something that looks like a spaceship, they're like, look, our ancestors weren't stupid. They knew what they were drawing. This is not some... They weren't so stupid that they had to use their imagination. They drew everything exactly as they saw it. It's like, well, what are they? Are they too smart to even have imagination? Or are they too stupid to do anything that they did? Like, like you can't have it both ways. It's like, well, they were too smart to have imagination, but too stupid to actually accomplish anything. And they get, you get into that, like, argument where it's like, well, they needed advanced technology. Like, the thing is, like, people say, oh, well, the, the Great Pyramid's such a marvel. They never... No buildings, no other buildings in Egypt have this quality of masonry and it's quality that we wouldn't even match today. We couldn't match today. And it's like, well, yeah, first of all, like it's a very unique building. Yeah. Like they probably built this thing and we're like, okay, we get the idea. Like they build build building like we build buildings now because we don't because we need to have the building. We don't build it to be like a perfect lasting legacy of something. Right. You know what I mean? Like so it's like, oh, if it's off half an inch here or there, as long as it doesn't compromise the structural integrity, it doesn't matter in a sense, right? It still has all of its function, which is why we build the building. Like I think it like helps if you take it back and say, Why did they build this thing? It's like it was religious and ceremonial. Uh there's a lot of like different things tied up into it that aren't the same reasons we build stuff today. Uh like if it's, if it's national pride, like, you know, Mark Lehner is kind of suggesting or Pierre Talet is sort of suggesting that because, because the, the scope of these were so huge, it involved like materials from the farthest reaches of Egypt's power. This was like a reminder to people all across the kingdom that the Pharaoh is in charge. Like, even if he doesn't go to Sinai, even if the pharaoh doesn't get to Sinai very often, even if the army doesn't show up in Sinai very often, even if the pharaoh doesn't ever go to Aswan, like, it's a reminder to those people there, like, the pharaoh's in charge. You are controlled by the pharaoh. Get fucked. Yeah, like, pharaoh rules this place. Yeah. And you, that's the way it is. So it's like, there's so many more reasons to have it be built the way it was built than because... Aliens told them how to do it. Like,
1: you know, here's the thing. Okay, it's one shape. (laughs) (laughs) I keep saying that. But the thing is, it's like people are just there, like, it's like there's nothing, there was nothing to do. There was no internet back then. Yeah. There was nothing all day. If you said, okay, Andy, your job, I'm the Pharaoh, your job is to spend your entire fucking life. Dedicated to figuring out how to build me my pyramid. You don't think you could get that done? Yeah, using exactly. shitty small tools and ancient tools. You're right. It's one shape, so they have it. It's one shape. They have a chance to perfect it, right? And they got really good. They built tons of mini ones that are probably just, and who knows? There could have been older pyramids that uh, sucked and fell, and they're like, oh, that doesn't work.
2: Yeah, and then can't
1: shouldn't do it like that.
2: Yeah, they. I mean, it's like. Well, they start
1: after blueprint after blueprint.
2: Yeah, they start building like flat topped tombs, the mastabas. And then they move, they gradually start like sloping them. Like the step pyramid is like they built a mastaba and then they just kept building on top of it. Right. And so it's like somebody just, they're like, hey, how do I get a better monument to my greatness? And they just keep trying and trying. And then, you know, it's like people. The people that were working on this were, like, very specialized. Uh, you know, it seems like from the papyri scrolls that came from Wadi al-Jarf that it was, like, these these boatmen, they called themselves elites. Like, there's there were probably, like, designations. Like, it's a badge of honor to be, like, carrying the goods that are going to build the Pharaoh's tomb. Right. Like, people, they're getting paid for this. This is, like, their job. And they're, like, good at it. And so they get a designation, and so it's like the same thing with the craftsmen at the site. Like they're good; they're here on site all the time working on this. Like they're being paid a salary; they're being well taken care of. Like it's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not the the same image that is in like, uh, in the, in the, you know, the movie. That uh, the Moses movie, Charlton Heston movie.
1: Oh. What do
2: they call that? Ten Commandments. Thank you. Um, That thing. It's it's, it's not like the Ten Commandments where there's like, you know, slaves being dragging blocks up, you know, the side of a huge ramp or anything. It's, It's like skilled craftsmen. Thousands of people. Temporary workers who are out of the fields because they're all flooded, like pouring all their effort into this and they're being, you know, it's like the laners team makes the point like, there's so much, they found so many animal bones. Like these were people that were working hard and they didn't, they didn't malnourish them. Like you would malnourish slaves. Like they gave them like plenty of protein to like keep strong and there's bakeries. So they have bread. They probably had beer. Like they have like all there's doctors on, on site such as they were like,
1: this, this was an important structure.
2: Yeah. And they had a whole community like of support staff. It's like, uh, like Lainer's team says, there's probably more people involved in like supporting the crews working on the pyramids than there were actually people building it, because they have these huge supply chains that involve people from all over the kingdom. There's all these people working to like produce food and take care of the workforce, and you know it's like the pyramids kind of like stop being so grand. Uh, Mark Lainer thinks that it's like well, in the process of building the great pyramid and the other two pyramids at Giza and all the monuments, the Sphinx and everything. They accidentally kind of built an economy. Like in a way, like they they took all these like localized things and like connected them. They made this huge network of like goods going, flowing across the whole empire, the kingdom. It's like they created an economy. So, you know, Pharaoh's after that, it's like, Oh, now I'm, now I'm thinking about maintaining the economy not about building a fucking pyramid and like (laughs) you pouring all this resources into it. Like now I'm thinking about maintaining this economy and like getting richer and stuff. So it's just like a different difference in focus, but it's like all possible because they, you know, it's like a show of force and,
1: and they were ref, they were left relatively alone during the construction time. Right? Like, it's like, there weren't any like crazy big wars going on that we maybe know about. No. I guess we don't really know exactly when it was built and how long it took, but yeah. I mean, um
2: yeah, Cairo wouldn't have been like too subject to like inv- <clears throat> invasion, you know. Right. Cuz like obviously the, you know, the copper coming from the Sinai like there were Bedouins that they could have they might have had to fight with. Um but then other people would have come from south, like further south, so Right. Aswan would have been like maybe
1: a target of nubians or i don't know what the political climate was like at that time i just you know i think there's a lot i mean obviously the you know it, again i just keep talking about it's just one shape yeah and they just got really good at it yeah and they nailed it and i think there's a lot of interesting ideas with the big stones because yeah i guess you know you think like god those big fucking stones, but it's like when you have hundreds of thousands of people working on this stuff it's like well Eventually you get enough people together. They can lift a pretty heavy object. Yeah. The idea of them flooding the pyramids to lift the stones themselves. Mm -hmm. It's kind of neat.
2: Yeah. On that, on that point. So Mark Lehner is like pretty convinced that the, the papyri, uh, which the boat captain's name is mirror by the way. So they sometimes call it like the, the scroll of mirror or something like that. But like Mirror's papyri. Kind of convinced Mark Lehner that yes, they were, they probably dug a bunch of channels and basins by hand so that Nile floodwaters would flow in and they could just take boats right up to the site. And all they have to do is like drag the stone. Like, so it's very easy. They don't have to, it's right. not like they had to drag the stone on a sled across the desert 500 miles because that would probably take them forever. <laughs> but if they flood, you know, if they use all these channels, like if there's a channel from Aswan, and this is stuff that just doesn't hold up, right? Like, they don't have, like the channels got filled in over thousands of years. Um, but it's, so it would have made it easier. But uh, Pierre Talley, who like found the scroll, who did the excavation at, at Wadi al-Jarf, like he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily think that's proof hmm. that the, the papyri is not dispositive of that. Cause it doesn't like definitively demonstrate that, but it is kind of a neat idea to think about them like floating the blocks up. But then you kind of have to think about, like, I don't know, the, the water would have to go all the way up the side of the pyramid. Yeah. Like, I think it makes sense to a point, and then it's like, I don't know, how did they, they would have had to really control that
1: flow of water. Yeah, you would have, I mean, yeah. I guess the ramps with the water idea kind of makes the most sense.
2: Because if you get it to the job site, and then you just have a big ramp, like, yeah, it would probably take a long time to, like, drag it up because it's the pyramid's huge, obviously, and you know if you're doing like a a ramp that wraps around, right? But who knows how they did it? I mean, that's the thing is, and they te- tore it all down, so like we have no idea. There's so few documentary records because the you know papyrus isn't made to
1: last for five thousand years. <laughs>
2: like they weren't <laughs> thinking fucking about idiots. That. Yeah, I know. Stupid. Why didn't they fucking put it on a computer or something? The ancient
1: Egyptians too are like a. A source of like they're, they're this amazing, brilliant civilization that invented so many different things and like lasted so long and were so thriving. And then it's just sort of like, oh, well, but could they build a giant fucking triangle?
3: I don't know.
2: <laughs> could they stand four triangles up together? I don't know. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the Sphinx is kind of more impressive. It's more me. of a mystery. We should, the Sphinx, I think, look, we didn't cover it very much because I think it's its own thing right it's a separate thing right and there's lots of sphinx related stuff like Ed knows we've talked about Edgar Casey before like there's a lot of sphinx related stuff with Casey right. uh there's the Sphinx is kind of its own thing I mean it's sort of all tied in together but like the pyramids are sort of one thing and then the Sphinx to me is another
1: I don't know I'm shitting on the pyramids a lot I feel like people are gonna get mad. That's fine, they but it's can, like you know, it's just one shape.
2: Yeah, I just no. a big shape. At first, I thought you were being dismissive, but now I see what you're saying. You're saying the focus on one specific structure allowed <laughs> them to become specialized in it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that if they had a, if there were lots of differing ideas about <laughs> what a tomb should look like, the pyramids might not have been as good.
1: You ever see like those ancient? I mean, you are shitting on them. I, 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 can I tell for joking from your purposes. Face, but sure, sure. I mean, it's neat. I mean, would I go see the ancient pyramids? Sure. But like, I don't know. I guess going inside is a little bit more impressive. That that work inside is... Would you go inside? Sure. Why not? I don't know. Why the fuck wouldn't you go inside?
2: I don't know. Kind of gives... I don't know. I don't have you like... You don't like being in tight spaces. I don't like... I don't have the claustrophobia. Like, that doesn't really bother me. Yeah. I just like... I think about... Well, I was watching 60 Minutes Australia, and I'm watching John Romer, like... Well, he goes to some unrestricted areas, right? I know I probably wouldn't be able to get into those, but you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, this building, those chambers were built for a specific purpose and that's to shield the King's chamber from the crushing weight of the top of the the pyramid. (laughs) And now those have been like compromised at least some by dynamite. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, like if the top of the if the pyramid just like collapsed, you're never get out of that build, building if you're in the king's chamber.
1: No, you're stuck there forever. You're the new king. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. The pharaoh. That became my tomb. <laughs> Speaking of your tomb, Andy, if you were a pharaoh, yeah, what what possessions would you want to be buried with to take with you to the afterlife?
2: Ooh, uh, this is a good question. Now. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to do some thinking out loud here and the first thought that immediately comes to my mind is that you have to assume that all of these things are going to be stolen. So <laughs> I feel like I would get buried with all my worst stuff so that grave robbers would be real disappointed like like it would be like the rattiest pairs of underwear that I have uh like t-shirts with armpit stains um like,
1: I don't know. A picture, you'd you're you're, you be fucking Pharaoh Weasel. Yeah, you're such a little weasel. You always weasel your way out. Uh, oh, I've got a plan.
2: I have a vault, but like inside would be like a picture of me giving a middle finger. <laughs>
1: And the frame would be like cheap; it wouldn't be worth anything. No, the
2: frame would. Yeah, the frame would be <laughs> no gold. No frame, even. There's no frame. No frame. It's just a loose photo. It's A loose photo, not even um, laminated. Um, what would be some other good decoys? Uh, oh, like I like you know, Khufu uh, was buried with a boat, which is like ceremonial. You know, like a boat to cross the the river in the afterlife, right? Um. I would maybe put like, like a really expensive car in there, but it's like, it's like not, it's not assembled. So like they get into it and it just like falls apart, like in a cartoon or something like you open the door and it just kind of, the door falls off. So it's like, they'd have to carry it out piece by piece, Uh, which how would they get it out anyway, a full car? Like that would be such a pain in the ass. Do you, you know, you (laughs) know, You know, you never think about that is like how did they get all that stuff? So did they put that in as they were building? Like it? a ship in the bottom. Or did they have to like carry all that shit after the pyramid
1: was built and then they had a it? giant pair of tweezers. Um
2: so I would do that car. Um Oh, like I'd have a bunch of like wax it would be like people. Like wax people.
1: Like terracotta soldiers.
2: Yeah, but like it would be Made like wax. It would be like uh it'd be like, you know, like Real attractive, like celebrities, and when the grave robbers come in, there's like something, and it sounds like real realistic, like it's the person talking, and like it's like an animatronic wax robot kind of thing. Okay, and they think, "Oh my god, there's
1: a live person in oh here!" Oh my god, Denise Richards is here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Denise Richards from the late '90s is
1: here. Yeah, late '90s. Denise Denise Richards was buried in here. Yeah, and I thought she was older than this. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I'm hoping that the grave robbers aren't super culturally. culturally oh my god, it's
1: Brooks Shields from the '80s. From the '80s.
2: <laughs> nah, Brooke Shields would be good anytime. Hey. Uh, so stuff like that. Okay. I think is what I'd be buried with.
1: Solid stuff. I I think you would uh, pass to the afterlife. Unfortunately, you end up in the afterlife with some shitty objects.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'd have that picture of myself though.
1: Yeah, that's
3: true.
2: Show that to Osiris. Ra
1: would yeah, Ron and Osiris would be like, What the fuck, dude? Why don't you take any cool shit with you, like a PlayStation?
3: <laughs> that's oh, what we Just
1: Some shitty underwear. You're 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 fucked. Khufu is sold up, he's like fucking decked out in gold, luxury, got he's his cat in his, in his boat. Whatever he's got his fucking big ass boat. Like Hey-ha! Welcome
3: to the afterlife.
1: <laughs> yeah, then I'm there. We fart. kufart. Kufart. You fucking suck, dude. I brought ice cream. <laughs> uh,
2: Well, I fucked that up. Yeah, you did. But, you know, it's a good testament to my life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those kind of are your most <laughs> cherished possessions. Being in some unprepared. Ways. Yeah
1: um well i don't know andy i guess uh what other pyramid based topics do you want to talk about
2: um just a quick uh except other shapes like mesoamerican pyramids oh right we didn't talk a lot about them we didn't um but they're pretty cool
1: they are cool i think in some ways a little bit
2: cooler Mm -hmm. yeah they got a little they're a little more ornate like in the design uh you know they're mostly like stepped pyramids but they're pretty impressive i mean you know their their methodology was a little bit different like they mostly start like building just big earthen mounds and then they started putting like stone faces on them you know mm. like steps and stuff and then gradually they get to this like you know where the building is like self-contained structure Right So I don't know Mesoamerican pyramids are pretty neat now, I've never been to like Mexico or Central America to see any of these uh Mayan Not or allowed. Aztec <laughs> Yep yeah. I can't leave this country. There's a court order. Yeah, court order. Um, But I would love to go someday if that ever expires. Probably won't.
1: (laughs) They're neat. Aren't they like they're in the middle of kind of... uh, They're usually like... They're just kind of like in the middle of like a jungle or something, right?
2: Yeah, I was looking at some pictures. uh, They used to be like
1: overgrown
2: with vegetation. And which which pyramid was I looking at? Um, Maybe Chichen Itza? Or... I don't remember, but it's it's like, it's one of these, it's one of the pyramids, uh, and I don't even remember which uh, culture, it might be a Mayan pyramid, but it has, you know, the pyramid and then there's like, there's a structure on, on the top of the pyramid. The top of the pyramid's flat and then there's like a structure right. on top of it. And there was a picture from like the late 1800s uh, before it was excavated. Mm-hmm. And it's just completely covered in jungle. The only thing you can see is the very top part on the top of the the right. pyramid, it's like, it's so crazy. It's nuts. Um, to think about how, like, just dis- how much disuse these, like, they're beautiful structures, like, came into. It's just crazy to me. Totally ignored.
1: Just ignored for centuries.
2: Yeah, and these, these are even, like, much younger than the Egyptian pyramids. Like, right. a lot of the, the Mesoamerican pyramids are from, like, after, like, in the common era. Right. Like, the, that's... You know, I like mean, some of them are building
1: like the eleven hundreds. Here's the thing: I'm shitting on the Great Pyramid, okay? It's one shape, whatever. I, but I'm saying it as a defense of these ancient cultures that, like, like, people are like, "How the fuck did they do it? It's so precise!" It's like, oh, well, you fucking spend all day doing something, you can do it. Well, and you know, I think that,
2: like, a pyramid—the way they're building pyramids—it's not—it's not such a hard structure to build, right? Right. Like the architecture of it is not. As because there's like the the side slope, so there's some natural outward thrust of the for of the force of the building right it's like you have a big base to start with big big chunky butt of a pyramid, and that helps also like make it more stable you know if they were like building like look I mean you know a modern skyscraper. It would probably have collapsed. Yeah.
1: Because they wouldn't have had a way to, like, support it. And that's what I'm saying is very durable. Yeah. Yeah. I will give them that. Okay? They're There's right. my compliment. Right. After shitting all over the pyramids, incredibly durable. Yeah. Dynamite blasts. Doesn't matter. It's still there. Take well, you, all the limestone off. Doesn't matter. It's yeah. still
2: there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with some of these Egyptian pyramids, the later Pops. pyramids, when they focused more on, like... Their economy, instead of pyramid building, they just use mud bricks, and like those pyramids are like completely destroyed because right. they're they're easy to take apart. People people steal the limestone. It's like fucking Legos. Yeah, and then it's like it's just mud bricks. So it's like it rains and they're falling apart. People could take the bricks and use them for other stuff. Yep. The mud bricks have lots of uh, lots of uses. Oh
1: yeah. So it's like I mean.
2: Good for them for building. Good for
1: you Good for Egyptians, them. okay? Good for you ancient Egyptians. Uh, I'm sorry. What do you make of all these math numbers? Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. They're so random. <laughs> They'll find a math number that relates to anything like, oh, it's 72. Yeah. 72 RPMs is the number of RPMs that my Ford uh, Explorer gets. Oh. Yeah, I I have to say it really it really
2: is like it's just a bunch of coincidences. Like there's no, yeah. there's no indication that it's one of those things where it's like, there's no evidence whatsoever to support that this was a conscious decision by ancient Egyptians to like build these based on these numbers. There's just, there's nothing.
1: There, there, is, a, total speculation. there is a weird golden ratio that appears a lot in nature. Yeah. And that, that ratio, you know, you see it pop up a lot and I, you know, obviously that's kind of, tiptoeing into the world of sacred geometry and the importance of those numbers. But you got to think like, okay, yeah, these are ancient peoples who are using more natural resources to do stuff. Right? So it's kind of makes sense that maybe the way things lined up fit into that golden ratio, because there's not really the world of mathematics and computers that can like change things up. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, more modern buildings don't really fit into that because they're artificial. Yeah. They're using whatever calculations to build a fucking building. Yeah. And I, there's more things to worry about the building.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good point is that you have to use methods that are like tested, to like get to a place and then expand from there. Right. You know, it's not, it's like now you can pretty much like a computer will tell you if this is going to work or not. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're designing a building. They didn't have that luxury. So it's like, I feel like, I feel like with something like the great pyramid, that's part of the reason they build it the way that they build it, where it's like, start from the ground and just start building up and build everything. Because it's like, that to me is a sign of less sophistication because you probably wouldn't, if we were going to build, if modern people were going to build a pyramid, they probably wouldn't build it that way. Right. They would probably build like, I don't know maybe the interior interior first like make sure it's stable and then they would put in all the chambers and then they would probably like fill that and we would use like a bunch of temporary stuff to like support it then fill it and then put the casing on whereas it's like they're doing all of that all at once and I think it's because to me well this way if we fuck up we can fix it right like we don't have to know we can just make it right as we go. The step pyramid, not the step pyramid, the bent pyramid. Right. That's what they did. They were, like, building it, and they're like, oh, shit, this is going to fall over. <laughs> Change that angle.
1: Yeah. Um, That makes sense to me. I mean, you know, I'm just trying not to be a big hater. And I don't know about a lot of these, these like, alternative ideas,
2: you know? It's like the Balval and Hancock-Orion thing. It's, like, it's, again, it's, like, it's probably just coincidental. It's like, oh, if we take... If we take the map of Orion from 10,500 BC and we like line it up on the pier, if we like put it on the earth, it matches and it's like, okay, so what? Like, you
1: know, the, the, the magnetic North and the cardinality and like the landmass stuff, it's kind of like, eh, uh, kind of a coincidence, don't you think? Like, well, the, the,
2: the orientation of the building was deliberate, right? is what like people believe now because the way that the pyramids oriented it's it's it has to face east west so that the pharaoh has easy access to get out at night Mm. like so he can travel with like he's in his tomb during the day and then at you know with the setting sun he goes with Ra, and goes to the underworld and then comes back into the pyramid so the orientation was was deliberate but you know like that landmass thing i don't have any idea if that's true like and how would you even like i don't even in some ways i'm kind of like i don't know that that makes any sense to even think about it like oh if you drew lines in eight different directions from the pyramid all of the lines touch more landmass on the earth than any other point on the earth it's like what i like is that like is that accurate like one centimeter to the other side like would not would be less land like i don't i don't know it might just be
1: something with the way the earth is shaped like i don't know
2: yeah you know and it's like how would they even know you know this is this gets back to all this stuff about like
1: oh well maybe they did know that it was
2: the earth was a sphere at the time like the piri reese map uh ancient peoples had some kind of like ability to know but the you know the mapping of the Earth, even though they've never been there and they don't know anybody from there, it's like I I just don't I just don't buy it, you know. Yeah, I'm not convinced. Well, what are we doing our verdicts
1: here on Andy? Uh I guess I guess our verdicts are like, fuck, okay, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Do we think the ancient pyramid pyramids were uh, designed by here? people or designed by aliens? I guess right. Yeah, I guess I guess we.
2: I guess we have to say how credible do we find the modern archaeological and the Egyptological explanation for the pyramids? Is it convincing or are we finding it more plausible that there's some like Atlantean or extraterrestrial force? <laughs>
1: right. That works for me. Um, okay. Why don't you be my guest and go first?
2: Be my guest, be my guest, put our magic to the test. Okay, I'm
1: getting the,
2: uh, I'm getting the bunker scale. I like to be, I like to be, I like to be accurate, I like to be accurate here, you know? All right. So, you know, we kind of, I don't know, I kind of spilled the beans, I guess, just now, uh, about how I, how I sort of feel, but, uh, you know, I think um I think one thing that Eric von Däniken sort of uh says in his book is he kind of like blasts mainstream scientists as like assuming too much and not and not um like asking enough tough questions. Right. And I don't feel like that's a fair thing to say about scientists like especially scientists of today. I mean, I don't know about what science was like in the 1960s when that book came out, but, you know, I don't feel like most scientists are saying, like, this definitively is what happened and how they built the pyramids. They're saying, like, this is our best guess based on what we know. And that's based on evidence. That's based on historical records, if there are any. It's based on, like, studying the actual structures and stuff. So I don't know that that's such a like a great claim. And a lot of these, uh, alternative ideas, uh, obviously I said, I don't find them very convincing. It seems more coincidental. It's like, if you look long enough at anything, you can figure, you can make up any it. You know, you can find any connection you want. A connection doesn't, you know, equal causality or correlation necessarily. Like there's no, there's just not evidence for it. True. true like that true, any true. of this stuff is, is important or relevant. It's just, that's like one thing about Chariots of the Gods. If you've ever, if you've never read it, I mean, you could go read it because it's like a classic book now, I guess, in a way, for certain folks. <laughs> uh, but it's like, Von Danik can asks so many questions and gives no answers, right? And that's a lot of what this is. Is it's like, yeah, but what about? And it's like, but it does. Why? Like, you don't, like so what? So what? That this is true? Like, that's and some not of this stuff. Talking about some of this stuff, I don't think it's true. First of all like the whole thing about the side of the pyramid in cubits matches the same number of days in his solar year. Like, I don't think that that number is accurate, frankly. I mean, I'm no Egyptologist. I don't know that for a fact, but I don't don't think that's right. Mm. Um, So (laughs) I guess what I'm saying is like, some of this is also intellectually dishonest. (laughs) And uh, so um, look, was there something more to it? Uh, We don't know definitively, so I'm giving it plausible quark. Quark. Whoa. I will close the door. Maybe there's, I mean, I'm leaving it pretty, I'm, I'm not being very specific. Yeah. So no. I'm saying it could be any weird thing. Sure. But ultimately I think that uh, a lot of the mainstream explanations make sense. And there's at least a modicum of evidence for them. So I'm feeling okay about it, but maybe, maybe there's something weird. Okay. At some point.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Andy, fair enough. Um, yeah, for me, like I said, when I saw the John Romer when he wasn't all sweaty and covered in filth and just <laughs> fucking disgusting. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ! So you had
2: this like the the short two seconds clip of yeah him
1: where he wasn't in the very the state. intro. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know I, I, when he said that survey idea, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, of course they would draw it on the floor and then use that to like correct themselves. Um as they kind of went along and built it. Um, that makes a ton of sense. Um, it's like how the, you kind of build a house. Sometimes it's like, you know, that kind of like how the how people erected structures, they would, uh, you know, you've probably seen the trope in media where if your character is building a house, like it's Amish people building a house, like they pick up the frame by frame and everyone together and they lift it up and then that goes up. Right. Yeah. That's how you build the house. Um, in some ways it's like you know, I don't know. It's like I don't know why people think that like hundreds of thousands of ancient people specialized in one task working together can't build one shape. No matter how magnificent and big that it is. I'm serious. Like it's like it's like if people way far in the future discovered that like you ever seen like how it's made or one of those those science shows where it's like people who work in factories and who do one task, like maybe their task is they, um, um, like if things that are made by hand, like a really, like a handcrafted pair of boots or like, uh, yeah. Or like a car assembly line where
2: there's like one person who their whole job is to like bolt, like, screw in, like, three bolts. Right, on or one Formula One guys. Car. Your one job is to, oh, you yeah. bolt the tires. Yeah, pit crews. And
1: you have to get, like, you have to be fucking fast at that. Yeah. Because it's like, you're responsible for one thing. And so it's like, it would be like if ancient cultures be like, I don't know. How did they get these these fast cars to go this fast? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I know yeah. that this example doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. Nothing makes sense. Yeah, and think about this. They had, like, 5,000 people who were specialists.
2: Right. Working on this. So, like. 5,000 people getting
1: paid right? to focus. My specialization is I put water on the ramp to let the sled guys pull the sled fast. I the know how much the guy water. who leads the cow. I got to milk it fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> or, you know, if you're the boat guy, you've been fucking, you've been guiding boats up and down the Nile yeah. since you were a little kid. And now you're an adult. Yeah. You you get pretty fucking good at
2: it. Yeah, you're like one of these, uh, you're like the, the ancient Egyptian equivalent of like, some guy who's, whose daddy was a gator hunter on the bio, and you've been, like,
1: fan boat piloting yeah. since you were a baby. Exactly. And so um, what I what I guess I'm trying to say here is that mm-hmm. it is... Uh, oh, fuck. What was the word I wanted to use? Now I have to look it up, bunk fuckers, because I always forget <laughs> the scale. Highly plausible. That's oh. the most plausible you can get for going to case confirmed that the ancient Egyptians themselves... I'm going to say probably use that ramp idea. I like the ramp idea, and I like the survey points idea, and I like the sled idea. That's what I'm going to say. Highly plausible for all of those, and maybe canals used to transport the big blocks, long stretches, but then afterwards, it's all people. Yeah. Um. But I'm going to say highly plausible for all of that, and leave the smallest amount of plausibility for any other kind of influence, whether that be extraterrestrial or maybe they did something else where they flooded it. Maybe they did something else where they had help from some secret other civilization that no one knew about who had uh, uh, extreme knowledge of pulleys and cranes. Yeah. <laughs> that mysteriously disappeared.
2: Yeah. Lost from the historical record. Right. Only to reappear centuries later
1: um so that's what i'm gonna say wow
2: and that was so nice of you to go in a positive direction with your verdict instead of me who's mr negative
1: (laughs) well you know you got to give both ends of the scale some love
2: um, yeah i know a lot of people have said like hey love you guys but you never are you never are convinced by anything and it's like (laughs) well i guess you're doing a good thing for people by giving them some optimism and i'm just shitting all over everything there you go (laughs)
1: Well, speaking of shitting all over everything, let us know what you think. Um, shit all over us and, you know. Spray us with your opinions. And uh, we'll. <laughs> spray us with your liquid opinions. We'll bring we'll bring that with us to our tombs. We'll be entombed in your opinions. Our tomb. Um Let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. Hashtag I love canals. Hashtag ooh wee goo I love canals. Hashtag <laughs> I love canals, because I don't think that's going to fit. But hashtag I love canals. Let us know well, what you Well, you can either think.
2: do that, or you can do hashtag KuFart.
1: <laughs> that's K-H-U-F-A-R-T. Yeah. Koofart. Hashtag KuFart or hashtag I love canals. Let us know what you think about the Great Pyramid and Great Pyramids. Um, you can email us, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at MrBunkerPod. Um, you can also find us on our YouTube channel by YouTube searching Mr. Bunkers conspiracy time podcast. Please. If you, if you feel so inclined, if you want to help out the show, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're really close to getting our own customized YouTube URL. And yeah. we're, uh, we're putting full episodes up on there. We've got animated bunker videos that are going up on there. Anyway. Um, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, if you feel so inclined, if you want to help out the show, it would mean a lot. You can find us on Patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Yo. You can get a lot of cool stuff there. Access to our Patreon-only show called Andy and Our Debunked. Um, as well as some other great incentives. Um, I think that's it. Great job. Andy, do you have any last words about the pyramids? Before uh-huh. I encase you in a pyramid and fucking bury you in a tomb forever?
2: Uh, I just want to say that if you're listening right now, really think about what you're going to leave behind when you die and how people are going to remember you.
1: (laughs) Jesus Christ. Because if you
2: leave it up just to memory, you're going to be forgotten in uh, probably two or three generations. (laughs) So make sure to scar the earth with your presence.
1: (laughs) Be sure to scar the earth with your presence. The Andy Hart... That's the Andy Hart guarantee. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my frazzle, <laughs> co host Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada.
2: Just remember till you're home again, you belong to
3: me.